0: Is Auburn quarterback Holden Gurner turning the corner this spring? Perhaps.
1: Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast.
0: Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blockerby. Thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me, Daryl Daprich, Montgomery radio vet, hanging out with us as he does from time to time, my friend. And look, we all talked about Holden Gurner throwing just as good as Cam Newton at the Auburn Pro Day, which is fun. Does it mean anything? I don't know. I don't know. Until, Daryl, Thursday morning, I wake up, I get a few texts, and some of them, from people that are in practice the entire time saying, hey, Holden's kind of riding some of this momentum. He had one of his best practices potentially ever as an Auburn Tiger. Maybe he got some confidence from that, Daryl.
1: I think so. I, I think that one of the things when we try to evaluate quarterbacks this early, and I've listened to you on a variety of shows talk about how hard it is because you're, they're throwing against air. And if they're struggling against air, Right. There's a lot of concern. One of the things i never – I've seen Holden Gurner throw live three times, a practice, a scrimmage, and before the Western Kentucky game. And every time I watched him throw against air, I always felt like the ball just came out differently than it sure. did with the other quarterbacks. Right. So there should have never been a question about release, spin rate, how the ball comes out of his hands, mm-hmm. tight spiral, all that stuff, footwork. He always looked on point more than the other quarterbacks. So I was extremely concerned when I heard he was struggling with accuracy against air. And I and I, I wondered if it had something to do with um, some sort of injury that affected mechanics that maybe wasn't being said. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't have any reason to. to to know why, I just know that it was completely polar opposite of what we saw when he was just throwing, you know, with, with nobody defending. So hearing that pro day, he showed out a little bit, and then he's followed it up with some good practices is encouraging. I don't know. Maybe he's settled in. I have no Maybe it's a coaching staff thing with a different coaching staff. It's it's a mystery to me when you're talking about air, you know, and not and just doing right. Drink.
0: Well, and I've seen a bunch of folks like, "Oh yeah, this is great, just another quarterback that's only good against air." I'm like, "Well, he really hasn't been good against air so far this spring, based on what we've seen." So I'm like, "I don't know, I don't know if that's even a fair thing to say." And you're also seeing all these people out of YouTube comment yesterday that said, "Like, well, you know, the you're judging these receivers too unfairly because they're going up against the really good defensive back room." I'm like. No, we don't see them do that. Like, that's not what, you know, when they go team, you know, we hear reports and all that, but we don't actually see that part of practice. They're dropping stuff when no one's covering them. That's, that's specifically what I'm talking about. And, and it's the same with the quarterbacks. I mean, Holden consistently was short hopping stuff. I mean, it was just hitting, you know, a foot in front of the wide receiver. And, like, that's just not good. And, look, I don't think arm power is ever going to be his thing. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a dude that just bazookas it down the field. You know, and the ball gets there in three seconds. Like, I'm just not expecting him to be that kind of player. But his touch has always been there. And I was a little surprised that the touch was not there because I kind of got roasted last, I don't know, I think it was in the fall. It was in the spring. It would have had to be in the fall because Calzada was involved. And I said, of all the quarterbacks throwing, I thought Gurner was the best. And people were like, how could you dare say he was better than Calzada? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe. Maybe Calzada wasn't very good. And so... You know, I I think he's got it. It just hasn't really been put all together, but I I thought it was good that he looked good at Pro Day, which is weird that we're talking about Gurner at Pro Day, not the guys that were working out for NFL teams or Cam Newton. We're talking about holding Gurner, but the fact that he then kind of stacked Hugh Freeze's big message to the team is stacking days. And it looks like he stacked two really good experiences back to back. And I think that's worth noting. I think when
1: you're evaluating quarterbacks, one of the things I love to look at is mechanics. I'm really enamored with throwing mechanics. Sure. I'm not as enamored with arm strength. I just am not. Like if a guy stands there and winds up and throws it 60 yards, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, you've just gotten sacked before you could let it go. Getting the ball out quickly, to me, is a better attribute as a quarterback in some cases than arm strength. Now, you've got to put it in that window. I get it. But if you have a quick release – and you're accurate and get rid of the ball before the defensive back gets out of his break, I think that that can overcome lack of arm strength. And that's what I saw with, with Gurner. every time I watched him throw. He didn't wow me with velocity or length. He just – it was so fluid when it came out of his hand. It was not a wasted motion. It came up near the ear, came out near the ear, little things like that that I looked at. I think the other thing that you want to – that you mentioned – about throwing against air and receivers and defensive backs, I totally get it because if they're playing, if they're if they're throwing against pra- in practice and receivers come out of their break and the ball's not there the defensive back makes a, a good play in basketball down or there's too much air under the ball, defensive sure. back has to track it, right. then we can say, oh, that's an experienced defensive back that knows how to read patterns and jump routes and that kind of thing. You're not getting that in air when you're competing against air. So I'm a little concerned. Now, are they dropping balls because they're not there where they're supposed to be coming out of their break? Are they behind them? Are they, you know, to a, to a in, in the catch radius, not where they're supposed to? I get all that. But at some point as a receiver, Zach, and you know this, you just got to stink and make a play. You're going to get in games where the blitz is coming and it's a two-step drop and you got to get rid of it. Yeah. And you got to high point the ball and just make a play. So, I want to start seeing that and hearing about that more in practice.
0: Right, right. And, and also, like, what does it look like? I mean, at some point, especially if you're doing it against air or, or in one on ones, and I mean, the coaches just aren't going to let us see team. They're just not. We can hear reports from people that, you know, we built relationships with and all that. That's cool. But from our eyes, we're not going to be able to see team. And that's okay. That's fine. But what it looks like certainly matters. And that, that matters from a quarterback perspective and it matters from the receiver perspective. There's two ways to get a football to somebody through the air. One is touch, and you just time it out, and you just run it, you know, reps over and over and over again with that target, and you place it where it needs to be away from everybody else, and just trust that the receiver gets to it. Or you just bullet that sucker in there, and it's like, all right, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping I hit this three inch by three inch square that's 25 yards downfield. And I hope it's to you and it may be a little bit tough for you to catch, but you need to do it. goes back to what you just said about making a play. That was such a big thing that I think a lot of media missed on this past fall because they would just report like, okay, Calzada was 12 of 12 or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but he looked the worst because the ball was in the air for like six seconds and the receivers had to slow up. So I mean, what Mm -hmm. it looks like certainly, certainly matters. And That's kind of the way it's looked so far this spring with Robbie and with Holden is like, even when they would complete it, like the receivers would have to stop. TJ is really the only one thrown with any type of anticipation here, but we're hearing different things and seeing different things as we got to see some of pro day, which is or all of pro day, which is great. It's, it sounds like it's looking a little bit different from Holden these, um, you know, the later part of this week. And uh, there's a scrimmage later today when most of you guys listen to this on Friday, and hopefully we get more information. Maybe Holden takes another step forward. We'll certainly have to see. And uh, we'll obviously report what we hear. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to give Holden a nod because I've been pretty hard on him, and a lot of the folks that come on the show, Daryl, have been pretty hard on him. So I wanted to give him a nod. Heck of a week, brother. Heck of a week. I think
1: part of that, too, is I would hate to think this is the reason. I'm just speculating. But – Gurner was Brian Harson's boy. He was Brian Harson's hand-picked quarterback protege. And there's so much bitterness and so much, you know, angst about Brian Harson and his developmental players and the way he recruited. That he makes Holden Gurner makes for an easy whipping boy if you attach him to Brian Harson and his regime here. I, I think there's a little bit of that. Maybe. You know, well, Brian Harson saw something in him and he really thought highly of him. And Brian Harson didn't know what he was doing. So that that criticism is easier to bestow upon him because of that. I, I think when you go back to the whole thing about Robbie and some of the other quarterbacks, I, I will say this. Keep in mind that I will never ever now I want to see some accuracy and some you know mechanics getting getting better. But Robbie to me is never going to be a pract- a quarterback that wows you in practice. Right. I think his strengths and his attributes really, really shine when the lights come on. The play breaks down. He improvises, I and then you get a chance to use your legs because you don't get a chance to use your legs against air when you're throwing drill. You know, throwing drills. He he looked pretty good on the run sometimes last year. So that's where he'll shine is maybe in an A day type scenario or some. Well, if they touch him, he's down. But it, where he can get out of the pocket, get a little mobile. So that's I still
0: think Robbie has something between his ears, though, where like. When it's a game, I do think he just gets better, even as a yeah. passer. Even as a yeah. passer, I think we saw that with a few moments last year where he made passes from the pocket as well. I think there's something there's some, and you want this with quarterbacks. Now I think this is the biggest argument for quarterback or for Robbie at quarterback. And it's not his legs. I think he has an innate ability to be better when it matters. And I don't know if you can say that about TJ. And then we I don't think we know enough about Holden. We haven't seen enough about Holden to make that call. So yeah, no, that, that's a good observation. All right. So that was one of the bigger shocks, I think, for a lot of people so far this spring that are following closely, because I think a lot of people, myself included, thought Holden could be one of the guys that really took over this spring, and we haven't really seen that. Next up, I'm going to share my biggest surprise of spring, and then, Daryl, you're going to share your biggest surprise of spring. Mine's on offense. Daryl's is on defense. Stay tuned for that. Today's show brought to you by our friends. At FanDuel, look, the tournament's heating up. The Sweet 16 is already underway, and FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. dollars—a $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, Daryl. And uh, note, we were recording this before the, the Thursday night game. So if some of these teams lose, my apologies. But right now, looking at the lines to be the national champion of March Madness. Alabama leading the way at plus 330. It was Houston for the entirety of the tournament thus far. Houston is second at plus 410. And then UConn climbing up as the third most likely team, according to odds, at plus 850. Daryl, you like any of those more than the others? Yeah,
1: you know, I like how UConn has slid into the three spot, and I think that that is a direct we, – we use we use this term a lot when it comes to recruiting the Bama Bump. They beat Alabama early in the year. I mean, you know, Alabama goes to Houston and beats Houston on their home floor. Connecticut beats Alabama on a neutral floor, so I think that the you know the the odds in Vegas and some of the lines are are based upon giving them some respect. And they're playing really well right now. They got into the tournament and they're starting to to put it together. So that, I like them moving up to the three yep. spot. I, I really think that's a good play.
0: All right, so head over to Fandle.com slash locked on to sign up and claim your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with Fandle. Daryl, my biggest surprise so far this spring has been the offensive line. I think the three transfers up front have been nothing short of exceptional based on the eye test, based on everything that we hear from people that are there for the entire practice. They're going to be a problem. For opposing defensive linemen throughout the SEC. They are that good. And I know some people kind of scoff at some of these schools that they come from Western Kentucky, East Carolina, and Tulsa. And all of a sudden, it's like these guys are really pulling it together. And, and I love the positions that they're at center and the two tackles. And then all of a sudden, Jeremiah Rice getting healthier and healthier. And then that other guard spot, it appears it'll be Tate Johnson because Hugh Freeze really, really likes Tate Johnson. But we'll see who all rotates there over the course of the remainder of spring because Tate Johnson will miss the rest of it. But, Daryl, just talking to folks close to the situation and people very, very close to Hugh Freeze, it sounds like Hugh Freeze loves the starting offensive line. He feels pretty good about it, pretty confident about it. But the drop-off from the starters to the backups I don't think a lot of the backups on this team, Hugh Freeze would feel comfortable playing for him at Liberty.
1: Well, there's an interesting take to that. Number one, if you talk about Tate Johnson being the starting guard, I'm assuming and I'm hoping, and I'm not, I mean, I just, I love Jeremiah Wright. I think he's a road grader. So I hope he's starting and I hope the other guard positions a battle between Stutz and Tate Johnson. And then at that point, the loser of that battle becomes, you know, some depth. Don't be surprised if after this little spring portal session, Auburn doesn't go calling for a couple more offensive linemen for depth. Mm-hmm. That's a good time to go get guys that you're not counting to plug in as your starters because you kind of got your offensive line set. Go get bodies that are able to work with you over the summer and the fall and provide a little depth. So that's that's an area that I think Auburn could go shopping, pick up two or three offensive linemen to feel a little bit better about I your I think backup. you need two.
0: I think you need to because I yeah. think Tate Johnson, if he does start at one of the guard spots, I think he could be your backup center and maybe you scoot him over to center. You know, if, God forbid if something happened to, to Avery Jones. But I think if you go out and get one guard and one tackle, all of a sudden you're there. And I think some people are saying, well, what about his Avian Miller? What about his Avian Miller? I love his Avian Miller. I love his upside. I don't think he's as ready at this level of football as they thought he would be. At this point, just talking to folks once again that are there for the entire practice. He's not quite there. His base is there. His size is there. His strength is there. He's just kind of, I mean, you see this in Juco product. They're not as refined despite playing college football for a few years already. They don't have that level of coaching. And so I don't think he's going to be a kind of guy that you want to be a backup. I think it's a better backup situation than we've had at Tackled in the last few years, Daryl. But still, I I think this team would feel a lot better if they had one or two more guys to kind of put in front of him in that offensive line pecking order at tackle.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. But, you know, if you go get two more, I was kind of counting on Miller being the other backup, only that right now he's not ready. But who's to say maybe after a summer and fall that when the season starts, he does mature enough and is ready. I mean, we're still talking about a pretty significant time away with fall camp and all those kind of things. So maybe... He's a guy that's that's ready to be a significant backup or because, somebody that could.
0: Because normally, when you talk about that, it's size, right? It's like, oh my gosh, they just you can't put on twenty pounds, you know, between now and the season. That's not the case for him. It sounds like a lot of it's footwork and technique, yeah. and so you can definitely clean that up more so than just a frame situation between now and fall. That's a great point. That's a great point.
1: And it's hard. I mean, I just I can remember back to even the Pat D- Dye era it was very difficult to go get junior college tackles and guards and immediately plug and play. Mm-hmm. They just would seem to sit a year behind other people, and then they would kind of develop. They were a little bit ahead of high school seniors and, and college freshmen, but it's still that process with an offensive yeah. lineman. Even back in the day, junior junior college tackles weren't just plug and play. They had to, they had to kind of uh, mature and, and learn the system for a while.
0: Right, right. So, yeah, would love to hear your thoughts on the offensive line, but that's been my biggest surprise. Just the positivity of the front, the first five, maybe six. If we want to lump stuts in there, we'll see if he can turn the corner. But I'm with you, Darrell. I'd like a little bit more depth there. I don't know how you necessarily pitch that to transfers. Um, but that you're an
1: injury away from starting is how you have to do it.
0: Maybe you get some red shirt. Uh, maybe you get some red shirt. Um, some redshirt sophomores, some younger guys in, yeah. in the in the portal, and say, "Hey, you know, you're probably not going to play anywhere in the SEC this year, but maybe you could in a year or two, and we'll see." And Connor Liu, I think, is a factor in all of this too. I think they True. I think they ran him at guard some as well. Um, they really, I'm excited really just
1: to see Hunter at, at the second level and not get the hand off and already have dudes in the backfield and have to make the first man miss. You know, the, people don't understand how exciting it's going to be to watch him and others and Alston and, and uh, Batee and some of those guys run where maybe they're not going to get touched until two or three yards past the line of scrimmage. And I think someone like Hunter is going to really benefit from good offensive line
0: play. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I think a 13, 1,400-yard season on the ground mm-hmm. for Hunter is totally, totally achievable. All right, Daryl, you're going to share with us your biggest surprise of spring so far. Mine was positive. Yours is a little negative. We'll touch on that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Look, we've talked about this before. Built Bar is in more and more grocery stores now. I'm getting messages that it's at Publix. Daryl, you saw some Built Bars in the wild, and those are the puffs that you're holding up there that you said there was only a handful left, and you're like, I'm taking all of them. Now I'm there's taking none. taking all of them.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, you know, we we talk about, uh, if we really endorse or use products, and i would never heard of Bill Barr until I started listening to your show, even when I wasn't a part of this show, this is an honest to goodness sure. testimony and I go to Publix, and I was so surprised and excited to see him, so I have to get him you know online and wait and there was only seven left in the box. I reached my grubby hands in there, and now there is zero left in the box because were those all
0: I, were those all cookies and cream? no, I got all I got all puffs
1: because puffs takes like a cookie that I used to love when I was a kid that had chocolate coating and marshmallows in it and it Sweet. was just unbelievable oh, no. and that's exactly what this tastes like with only 120 calories and it's really a lot of protein it's perfect for me to grab a snack when I'm at
0: work also you can win a bunch of these things right now if you head over they've got a bracket going at builtmarchmadness.com it's not too late it's uh it's up all of march you can vote every day and when you vote they're giving away 50 lucky locked on listeners a free box of built and then one locked on listener is getting a 12-month subscription to Built to have it delivered once a month, every month, for a year. If that's not a locked-on Auburn listener, I'm going to freak out. So head over to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Daryl Daffridge, your biggest surprise this spring for the Auburn Tigers has been what?
1: Linebacker play. Uh, In my mind, I had kind of penciled in the following on the depth chart with linebackers. I had... Riley, Cam Riley starting, Austin Keys and Tolan. I just felt like that was going to be your three linebackers with Wood- Woodyard and Steiner because I'm not – I know it's a 3-4, but I'm counting the edges as edges and not linebackers and sure. that kind of thing. And right now, I, I, I'm not hearing much about Riley and Keys, and so that's a surprise to me. I think that I was kind of hoping that we could develop a little bit of depth and those guys that came from SEC schools were going to be plug-and-play a guy like Cam Riley, who had a couple of really, really big games last year for Auburn, was going to be the leader at the linebacker core. And I'm just not hearing that right now. So that's got that's a surprise to me and an area of concern.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think some of that, though, I'm just going to push back against that a little bit. So Hugh Freeze talked about it earlier in the week that the linebacking core has been a position group where they feel like they've taken steps in the positive direction, which is great. That's absolutely something that we all want to happen. But I am a little surprised at the, the personnel that we're seeing. And I'm talking to folks more often. If I had to predict starters right now, Daryl, and I want to turn this around and get you to do the same thing. If I had to pick, okay, there's two linebackers that are starting. I think it'll be DeMario Tolan and Robert Woodard. That, that, that That is my guess from the first two. And then I think Austin Keys would be the third guy, the first guy that you would see kind of come off the bench and rotate in, assuming they start with a two linebacker set, which I think they will in most cases. And then it's probably Cam Riley and then Wesley Steiner. But I'm just hearing and seeing more Wesley Steiner than I am Cam Riley. And that's been a pretty big surprise for me.
1: I would have thought that the two guys that were returning, that played the most significant snaps in Steiner and Riley, would have been automatics to get penciled in. And that's not what we're hearing. I, you know, we're hearing a lot about Tolan. I think at the end of the day, if I had to pick, I'd say Tolman and Steiner. I just think I've heard some things about Steiner, coaching staff. You know, could Woodyard leap over him? Could Keyes make that same type of, of uh, progress and jump in the fall that we talked about, maybe Miller, the offensive tackle? Doing, I yeah. don't know. Look, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't care. I know I had a preconceived notion of who I wanted the linebackers to be, but at the end of the day, if you Freeze is saying they're improved, I don't care what Go name of the back of the jerseys out there the best. If he, well, he feels like the three best or three guys that I didn't think were going to start, then let's roll.
0: I think it's easy to talk yourself into a lot of these dudes, right? I mean, Tolan, the traits are there. Didn't play a lot at LSU, but goodness gracious, the traits are there. And they were ticked when he left. That's always a good sign. Like, yeah. when somebody leaves yeah. and you get them and they're mad, that's always a good sign. You didn't get that reaction out of Ole Miss for Austin Keys. You just didn't.
1: Well, we don't know if we would have. I don't know, to be perfectly honest, full disclosure, I don't even know if he was a second-team All-SEC linebacker if we would have got that reaction out of Ole Miss. I, I think there was a little bit – you know, I think there's, there's a lot a little, going
0: on for Ole Miss. There's old a lot that. going
1: on right there with the fan bases, and and uh, I don't know if that would have been an honest take, to be honest with you.
0: Well, they're still in this situation where, like, if somebody leaves, it's because Lane Kiffin wanted it to, to, to have – Exactly. Like, exactly. Get out of here. Yeah. Like Lane Kiffin is not Nick Saban. As much as you wanted to be, he's not. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Um yeah, so but Austin Keys has a ton of SEC experience. You could talk yourself into that being valuable, right? And I, and I think he's got the build that you want. It's just Ole Miss's scheme defensively like I don't think really put him in a situation to succeed. So I think you could talk about okay, Keys could take a step forward. With Woodyard, a guy that Alabama wanted, you know, flipped to Auburn, picked Auburn on signing day. Very cool moment. Like, he's got it. He just, you know, he didn't play last year because he was a true freshman. And now that he's a redshirt, I assume he got a redshirt. He's a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore. Okay, you know, now, now it's time to start playing. Well, you know, let's let, strap let's it up and let's see what you got. And then, you know, with Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner, you look at both of them and they, they have very different physiques. And I think they have different traits. Wesley Steiner is so stinking athletic. It's like if, it, but his first step is awful. It's just mm-hmm. really, really bad. And he gets trucked
1: a lot too. It just seems like he gets trucked a lot.
0: Yeah, you can tell he's thinking. Both of yeah. them, they're thinking too much. And at linebacker, it's so instinctual. But you have got to go through a million reps until you're not thinking anymore. That's just this is that's just what the position is. So, um, both of those guys can be good in different ways because Steiner's so athletic. He can cover so well. Once he can figure that out, Daryl, he's got the traits to be able to do that. And then Riley's just massive. Like, I would love for him to be able to put it all together. So you can talk yourself into all of these dudes, which is great. And then we haven't even talked about Eugene Asante. I'm higher on Eugene Asante than most people. I'm first to admit that. We'll see. But I do think, you know, earlier this week, we saw two linebackers enter the portal, Cameron Brown and Desmond Tisdell. And Desmond Tisdell was kind of a guy that some people penciled in to take a big step forward this spring. So you saw both those guys leave which makes you think they're starting to narrow it down a little bit as far as rotation, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, depending on how you feel about some of these guys. It's,
1: you know, that's the key indicator is when you start seeing a position group and multiplayers get into the portal within 48 hours from the same position group. To me, it's saying that they're seeing the writing on the wall as far as depth chart and they're saying you know yeah. and what you just mentioned I think the six linebackers you just mentioned I don't know how or what you know as far as where they are the depth chart but I think the six guys you mentioned adding Asante to the mix to the other five those are your guys those are your dudes now how you can how make an
0: argument they, for those guys having a role I just think exactly. you can yeah now how now how they
1: Play in what scheme with the Roberts defense, and you know what? What are they at? What are they asked to do? Or is there going to be an oversized safety that moves into that role? Could be, I, you know, it, in in the linebacking court? I don't know. That's yeah. what's going to be interesting when we start seeing this develop in the fall is how they're going to be used because there may be a guy that has a particular skill set that went really unnoticed in Schmetting's defense that is something that Roberts is looking for as far as attributes. So we'll see. And I think we'll start to see, we're starting to see that getting pared down right now with the two guys jumping into the portal.
0: Yeah. And they're going to run creepers more, which is something we really haven't seen at Auburn in a hot minute. Where creepers is when you send a guy that doesn't traditionally rush the passer in a blitz. And so and he doesn't
1: walk up to the line of scrimmage. Make sure people understand that. He yeah. does not tip it at all. It's very, very masked. So you have no idea he's coming.
0: Right. So it, it's almost, um, uh, yeah, yeah. And so the, the, the point is you want the, the offensive line to be, to be, you know, kind of thrown off at the last second there. And so guys that you could see yourself getting excited about rushing the passer from a blitzing point of view, like I could talk myself into getting excited about Demario Tolan doing that. Mm-hmm. I could talk myself into cam Riley doing that. That's kind of it. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that, that's kind of it. We haven't seen enough of Woodyard to know, um, I thought
1: Keyes would have been that guy because he looked athletic as heck and fast. I don't know what kind of tackler he is, but, you know, he's so – he looks so he athletic. Looks fast. Yeah.
0: But, like, uh, he doesn't seem fast to <laughs> I me. Mean, yeah, that's
1: an issue then. That's a problem. I mean, that's obviously something that maybe that's what's that's what's holding him back. Um, I don't know. From that particular point of view. It's just going to be interesting to see stunts and disguises and some of the things
0: that happen. Some complexity. In-
1: Minutes. Yeah, some complexity where it's not just and, – and maybe some adjustments, too, that weren't made in the past. Totally, totally.
0: Daryl, how can people check out everything you got going on, buddy?
1: Um, at DAP 6410 on Twitter. You can catch me. Mondays are a pretty busy day for me now. Monday morning's at 710, WANI. I'll bring up this morning with Ben Taylor. And then at 5 o'clock in the evening, I'm on the Mobile Station with the Final Drive, WNSP with Michael and Corey. Uh, doing that for a little bit, filling in to uh, give a little thoughts uh, out of Mobile. So that's been a lot of fun. And then the Max Roundtable as well on Mondays.
0: Yep, yep. WNSP has been really good to us. So thank you so much to uh, our Mobile listeners there. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. Also, if you're into it, bravestoday.com for your Atlanta Braves coverage. We will see you maybe later today. We'll see. This has been
1: Locked on Auburn.